Welcome to Globally Speaking, sponsored by RWS Moravia and Nimzi Insights. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting language and localization today? Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who is engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Michael and Renato. I'm Renato Beninato. And I'm Michael Stevens. Uh, today in Globally Speaking, we have a very interesting conversation about a market that we haven't covered yet. Right, Michael? It's amazing that with all that's happening in the world right now and how often we hear about this region, that we haven't looked into what's happening as far as localization and business there. Yeah, it's a fascinating market with a young population of uh, very eager consumers and uh, we have a very insightful conversation with a marketer that specializes in digital marketing and with large companies in the region. And so in listening today, get ready to get some new music recommendations for most people. Also, I was really impressed because some of the universals our guests talked about is that everybody's looking to get a deal. And one of the calls to action that's also very insightful and works really well is uh, educating because people are naturally curious. So you're going to hear about a market that is mobile first, and there's a lot of growth opportunity there for us. We'll let our guest introduce himself. So my name is uh, Mohammed. You can call me Mo for short. So I lead a function called Marketing Services at PepsiCo, uh, which mainly is responsible for uh, digital and media uh, investments for PepsiCo brands across the MENA region. I've been with the company for about three years, and I also founded a startup called Mayday, who provides zero-tide assistance for motorists facing uh, car problems, which is now operational in Egypt. Well, so let's start uh, with a very simple question. What is MENA? Middle East and North Africa. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's one of those acronyms that we come across all the time, but uh, you have people who call it EMEA, you have people who call it MENA. So MENA is the most common uh, name. And then depending on the organization, they usually cluster the MENA region with Europe. Then it becomes EMENA. Or they cluster the MENA region with uh, Asia and then it becomes AMENA. (laughs) So it depends (laughs) on uh, on how you're clustered. So there are actually a few subclusters at MENA, which are also very popular. And that's how organizations would usually uh, tend to skew because of the relevance and the kind of very clear commonalities between the markets in those subclusters, which are the GCC, which is basically the Gulf region. Then you have Levant, which is Jordan, Lebanon, Iraq, and Syria. And then you have North Africa, which includes Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, Sudan, Libya. And that's how most of the companies, if they're sub-clustering, they would go because of the language relevance, the same kind of culture and dynamics. And also, it's a lot of ease to commute and transport items between the regions when they're clustered that way as well. Uh, Even from a political uh, standpoint, there are some, you know, uh, kind of entities that are groups. The Gulf has a joint entity that makes it very easy to transport items and makes it very easy to 
also, you know, have citizens travel between countries without issues as well if they're part of the GCC uh, nations. Mo, it's amazing how distribution tends to be one of the core pillars to all business, how easily you can distribute to places. So is one of the reasons that this region has such a unified distribution model because most of them have right-to-left languages? Yeah, so language is definitely uh, something that makes it very easy to have commonalities. Like you see it not just in distribution, but you see it in a lot of things. So for example, media, it's quite unique to see a region this big with so many markets have shared TV stations, shared digital platforms. And what I mean by shared is you have one channel that has penetration in almost all the MENA markets, which is very rare to find. Like you don't see that in Europe. You don't see that in Asia, for example. Even in the subclusters in those continents, you still don't really see that common channel or TV station or that common digital platform that caters to everyone in that region just because there's a similar language There's a similar sense of humor, habits, behaviors, religion. Like There's a lot of elements that are common across the whole MENA region. And it gives it that very unique perspective. I've been recently exposed to APAC, which is Asia Pacific, doing some work there. And I immediately saw that each market there is is its complete, uh, you know, different standalone beast of its own. Just because different languages, just because it's different mentalities, different cultures. Different platforms. Um, You would have like WeChat and Line, and it varies a great deal. Do you think that's eventually going to come? Or do you think it will continue to be consolidated? Because working with a large company, I can see how that's a great advantage. But you also work with startups. And if there's only one place where you can reach people, it's a bit of a challenge for a startup. Even with startups in the region, they always tend to think like, how can I expand regionally quickly? It's always a lot easier because it's the same language and same habits. And uh, like everyone can commute very easily between the markets. And you don't really find issue uh, moving between markets as you would going outside Mm -hmm. the MENA region. There's also a lot of history between the markets as well. Like you'll see that Egypt, there's a very big Egyptian uh, expat community in the UAE. There's a very big Egyptian expat community in uh, Saudi Arabia. You'll see a very, very big Jordanian community in both markets as well. You'll see that due to all of the unrest that happened in the region as well, you'll see a lot of Syrian population that is now living in Egypt or living in other markets. So because of that as well, you know, that flocking of talent to different markets, the exchange of cultures that happened over the years, it's very easy to have that dynamic in business as well. Yani people and, don't really find an issue you know, opening up in a different uh, market. Mm-hmm. They can move very fast. The, the culture is very similar. And they can find that living in one of those other Arabic-speaking countries is not that difficult because there's so, a lot of similarities. From a digital marketing perspective, how does that uh, affect the strategy? I am a multinational company. I want to promote uh, my product in in the MENA region. Uh, What channels do do I use? What would be a good strategy? And let me give you a little bit of a context in this, because you have a similar situation with Latin America and Spanish-speaking countries, right? So you have uh, 19 or 20 countries in Latin America who speak the same language, but the cultures vary a lot, right? You have Mexico and Argentina and the extremes of, of the continent, 
and the language variation and the accents. And you mentioned something that uh, I'm very curious about, the element of humor, because the jokes will vary a lot on who you pick on and things like that. So from a marketing perspective, you have to be very local, especially for consumer products. I'm thinking of maybe a cell phone company or even a consumer product company like PepsiCo. How does that play across so many countries? How do you do it in Morocco and Yemen or another extreme yeah. there? Yeah, good question. So I, I think there's, again, we find um, like there's this unique opportunity when we tend to market within the MENA region, which is why we kind of have these two layers. We have the local marketing material or the local content that might have catered to a specific audience in that market. So we want to be as relevant as possible to the Egyptian market. Hence, Mo Salah comes into play, and he's like one of the brand ambassadors for Pepsi in Egypt, for example, because that's a very unique opportunity, and it's a very you know relevant advertising you know tactic that we can use in Egypt. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the few regions where we also have regional campaigns. We create campaigns that actually are common across most of the markets. Just because, again, the product is available everywhere. It's very similar in, in how we advertise in all the markets. Language is common. Even the celebrities we use, they're actually popular in more than one market. Mm-hmm. So if you, th- if you think about it, like if you get one of these famous singers, for example, he will have a big audience in his hometown, but he will also have a huge audience in all the other markets as well. That's how common and how tightly knit it is across the MENA region. I'm an Egyptian, and I listen very frequently to artists from the UAE, from Saudi, from Morocco, from Lebanon, because I like their music. It resonates with me. It lands right with me as well. Who are some of the artists? Name names, so we can look. So, we, we, need, we need to add them to our playlist. We do. <laughs> so you have uh, Amr Dieb is a famous Egyptian star who has popularity across the board. You have Hussein Al-Jasmi. He's an Emirati who is very popular across most of the markets as well. You have a lot of Lebanese artists. So Nancy Agram, she's a very famous singer from Lebanon. Again, all three would be kind of pan-Arab. Like It wouldn't make a difference where you are, which market you are. Probably everyone in that market will know who they are and they will have listened to them and you'll see they have hardcore fans everywhere you go. So that's one other factor. So for a very long time, for example, uh, Pepsi used to work with Hussein Al-Jasmi, who's an Emirati, but they also used him for advertising in Egypt because they knew that even in the Egyptian market, he would be a very big hit. So that's why you'll see both regional level campaigns coming out. And it's not just um, FMCG companies. You see it also like in teleco. uh, So the telecom operators who have operations in more than one market, you see it in the electronics segments. You'll see brands that also utilize, you know, regional celebrities and endorsers in their advertising. One, it's, of course, it becomes very cost effective when you do that, as opposed to creating from scratch in every market. And then two, because it is a big opportunity in the MENA region, I mean, I think it would be a mistake not to utilize it, especially if you have that uh, footprint across all the MENA markets or a majority of the MENA markets. So in terms of platforms, uh, Mo, when in your area of expertise is, is digital marketing, what are the best channels to reach out to the consumer market in the MENA region? Uh, is there a common platform that everybody shares or are we talking about the traditional 
Western platforms that uh, yeah, the, an advertiser the, the, will use? I think that, so. Both are are very uh, very widely available. So we have the big uh, international players available, of course, with very high penetration. We also have regional players as well that are very strong. So we have uh, Shahid, which is a very famous kind of video on demand platform that again has very high penetration across the the MENA region. We all, we have uh, music streaming platforms that also have very high penetration across. Uh, the MENA region and that are based out of uh, MENA market. So it's both. We see both both equally, I would say, strong. It differs from one market to the other, of course. So you'll see, for example, Snapchat penetration in Saudi is one of the highest markets globally for Snapchat. And Ooh. if I recall correctly, Riyadh and Jeddah are the two biggest cities for Snapchat in the world which is, again, a very unique element in, in digital marketing that you find Snapchat that aggressive and that big and that successful in one market with that high penetration. So we definitely tend to advertise and, uh, and a lot of brands tend to advertise with Snapchat in Saudi Arabia because of that. So, yeah, I would say when we look at digital marketing, it's on both sides of the spectrum. There are the international players and there are the very strong regional players as well. And I would say we utilize both ends to uh, to reach the consumers and engage and interact and send the message to. And this is a personal curiosity. I, what is a call to action that works everywhere? What, what is the, the 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 kind of communication that uh, really transcends the the whole region? Or also, what is something that is so peculiar that? works extremely well in a certain market and wouldn't work in other regional markets. Yeah, so I, I would say humor works really well everywhere. So that's, that's a very popular uh, element. I think the whole region tends to really enjoy drama uh, as well. So you, that's very, very clear from the amount of series, the amount of uh, drama, even foreign drama that's translated into Arabic and then aired on TV and gets the highest ratings and the highest exposure out of everything airing on TV. So you'll see that that's quite big. So these are kind of the, I would say, the platforms we would uh, usually or like brands tend to usually utilize. Calls to action. Some markets really respond uh, quite well to promotional activities, to sales discounts. There's that big culture across the Middle East. Um, so kind of a buy call to action, buy now, you know, find it in stores, limited time only, that kind of call to action always is popular across a lot of uh, markets uh, in the region. Uh, I think discover is also very popular, like inviting people to learn more, discover more about the product, learn more about the specs and so on. Mm -hmm. I would say the mobile penetration is really, really high in some of the markets. It goes up to 90 and 95% smartphone penetration which is extremely high compared to the global average and mm -hmm. uh, and i would say they're always online and always searching so i would say the search always starts online and then we make the decision and go and buy it offline and how about offline. payment systems are, are they pan region or local Payment because, systems. Yeah. So, well, yes. one of the things that uh, I imagine is very powerful with such a digital footprint, and and also you have a very young population in general, right? It's it's uh, young consumers. How how is e-commerce? Are there people buying on Amazon, or is there 
a regional player that uh, fulfills that market better. Because one of the things that you said in the beginning was the ease of transportation and fulfillment across the region. How do people pay uh, and, and how do people get the goods that they buy? There was a very regional player called Souk, which was actually bought by Amazon last year uh, or about maybe a year and a half ago. So Amazon now has a strong uh, footprint in the MENA region uh, by this acquisition or through this acquisition. And they were a very strong player. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. They had a lot of experience. They've been operating in the region for quite some time. So they, they were quite a success story. And then uh, they were acquired by Amazon recently. And then you're now seeing the Amazon kind of um, legacy coming to the market, which everyone was also hoping for. You now have more access to international shipping and getting you know stuff from other places, which you didn't really have access to in the MENA region before. But um, that being said, I would say the credit card penetration in the region overall is, is not very high. Mm-hmm. So it could get a lot better, especially in the North African markets and the Levant markets. I would say the, the situation in GCC is quite different. So the Gulf markets like Saudi, UAE, Kuwait, I would say the credit card penetration is much higher. Uh, but in the North African markets and the Levant markets, I think it's still in early stages. It's not that big yet. Mm-hmm compared to the population. As a result, the majority of payments is actually still cash on delivery Mm -hmm. when it comes to e-commerce sales. I would say the the vast majority, actually, of payments is still cash on delivery. For one reason, because of the credit card penetration dilemma, and for another reason is the uh, trust and safety aspect. There's a big issue, I would say, with uh, online payments in terms of trust with um, a lot of the, the nations in the MENA region. So that would be a second aspect of why I think we're not there yet. But it's improving for sure. I would say year on year, definitely getting a lot better. So the system would be the distribution infrastructure, the the delivery mechanism, the equivalent of UPS, knocks on your door, delivers your uh, electronic that you just bought and receives the payment right there. Exactly. Yep. So that would be the main way to get your products. The shipping logistics industry is really on a boom in the MENA region right now. Like new players coming in every day, expansion plans, you know, local players becoming more regional. It's it's really, really on the rise with a lot of new players entering that space. And in the region, there are a few like very big uh, regional players, the biggest of which would be Aramex, who operate in all MENA markets. And they're quite experienced with shipping between the MENA markets as well. And a lot of the e-commerce players would rely on uh, Aramex and other uh, regional players like Fetcher to conduct these deliveries. Uh, and some, of course, of the e-commerce players have their own fleets yani, to some degree. Well, that's fantastic. So one of the things that we like to ask our interviewees is a story, something especially related to either a big success or a big failure that you can remember. It doesn't need to be yours. You, can, you don't need to name the, 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 the innocent. But uh, what's a classic error or what's a classic uh, thing that an international company makes coming for the first time into the MENA market that they could avoid? So honestly, the very common mistake I always see is that they use their foreign ads or foreign flavors 
to communicate to the masses within the MENA region. And of course, Arabic is the number one language by far. So you'll see, of course, a lot of people would speak English and other languages like French as well, which is very uh, popular in the region. But the vast majority of citizens in most of the markets still speak uh, Arabic as the primary language. And they don't really relate to brands that uh, use, you know, foreign imagery or foreign uh, ideas or advertising tactics. They just don't relate. Like they don't see the relevance. They don't relate to that. And it's always kind of uh, alienating to some degree to to the majority or the mass uh, consumer in the region. Does that vary between products? Are there some products that people are a little more acceptable of it feeling foreign or from outside? Actually, yes, I would say, um, yeah. So actually, that's a good point. Yes, I think it's more acceptable if it's a tech, maybe like a tech platform. Mm -hmm. It's a lot less acceptable if it's a consumer, a mass consumer product or like a an FMCG product that they would, you know, eat or or have in their home. I think that's a big difference there. Also, telecos, I think, you know, people would relate a lot more to the telecos with more local flavor and more uh, relevance to, to their needs and their kind of, you know, passion points uh, versus someone who's foreign and coming in with an international direction. But I, I see it yeah, as very acceptable for the tech players. They do it all the time and people still really engage. Mm-hmm. So that I would say, uh, yeah, that's how I see the difference. That's great. That that confirms one of the things we talk about a good bit. And that is the more intimate you are with a product, how close it is to your in your home. But Renato, you actually call it the underwear principle. Yeah, um, exactly. It's why we translate the instructions on shampoo. It's because it's in your bathroom where you're very vulnerable. You want to have that in your native language, whereas the more removed, such as something abstract, like a technology platform, you're a little more accepting if it doesn't something feel that, genuine. Yeah, something that you use in your office instead of your home. Right. Thank you so much for this uh, gracious interview. I think that we learned a lot, and uh, maybe we can do a follow-up with more details. Sounds great. Thank you guys for having me. It was a real uh, pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Mel. For more Globally Speaking information, you can find us on our website, www.globallyspeakingradio.com, on Facebook, and you can follow us also on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you like this episode, please think of one friend who might enjoy it and encourage them to subscribe as well. Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, sponsored by RWS Moravia and Nimzi Insights. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes or any number of podcast portals. Check out our other episodes on globallyspeakingradio.com, where you can find transcripts from every show. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. So please visit us online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.